Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Broadcasting from a uh, hotel room. I'm recording this early in the morning, and um, I feel as though uh, I have to watch my volume. I have to be careful uh, as to how loud I am. I don't want to disturb the other guests. I don't think these walls are that thin it's an old ass hotel, but I don't think the walls are that thin. I don't know. I don't know what people tolerate. Generally, I find that people in hotel rooms tolerate a lot. I do. I do. I, I there's sometimes there's nothing you can do about things, even though you feel entitled to be treated a certain way or to have things work out. That's my life lesson for today. Sometimes your expectations, even though they seem reasonable, will not be met and you'll get fucked somehow. And you kind of got to suck it up now because there's uh, very little recourse anymore on almost any level. Now, I don't know if that's an indicator that society is breaking down, but uh, something is. Or maybe it was just always shitty. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. What am I talking about? How are you? I'm sorry. What's going on? Are you okay? How was breakfast? You didn't eat breakfast? Why didn't you eat breakfast? should always eat a little something. It's good. It's an important meal. I've heard it's the most important meal of the day. I forego it myself sometimes, but I understand. So look, Robert Eggers is on the show. Now he directed The Witch and The Lighthouse, the new film. I'm sure you've heard coming is uh, called The Northman. I saw it. It it might be genius. Might be a film genius guy. Definitely has the the kind of uh, focus and control over what he wants to come through that camera and for you to see. Comes from a theatrical background, directing uh, stage productions, doing costume and set design, which helps explain uh, some of his meticulous attention to detail. But nonetheless, it you, you know it is a character thing. But I, I, I tell you, I will tell you this. I watched all the movies. Now, look, I, I watched The Lighthouse twice when it came out. I thought it was visionary in some ways. But I went and watched The Witch, his first movie, which I thought was amazing, Truly amazing in terms of the story, which I know I'm not a big horror guy or folktale guy. Folktale's more than horror, but I guess they kind of feed one another at certain in certain situations. But the attention to detail, to language, to structure, and to uh, even architecture and tools, ceramics, holes, digging, fences, the forest, costumes, the weirdness. I enjoyed it. And I watched this new film, The Northman, which is like, wow, holy fuck. 
You curious about Vikings? Well, you're about to know about Vikings. And it's an exciting, bloody shit show. Beautifully shot. And uh, amazingly acted. And historically almost perfect. I had some experience with Vikings. I was hoping to be part Viking, as some of you recall from my conversations after I visited uh, Scandinavia. But it's nice to have some context and to understand that uh, no matter how glorious they may seem, not a great bunch uh, in terms of um, morality necessarily. But, uh, you know, they had their own ways, their own religions. I'm not going to ramble on speculatively about Vikings. I'm just saying the movie's great, and I like talking to Robert Eggers. So I'm out in it. I'm recording this in Providence. I, I will tell you about what happened. I will tell you about... I will tell you because I mean it's indi- it's an indicator about me, but it's also like I felt I got I got to uh, call myself out. So I fly from L.A. I leave mid afternoon because I knew I could ju- I was just going to land, rent the car, and drive to uh, Nyack from JFK. So now loyalty for some reason I was pretty loyal to American Airlines for a long time. Now all of a sudden because I have an Amex card of a certain type. I can use the club at Delta. American's more expensive, so I'm trying to save some money somehow, even though I don't essentially need to. It's always good to be thrifty. I I have a brain that does that. But now I fly Delta, not great. It wasn't great this time. I flew first class. It was an old plane. It was a little janky. Is that the word I want? Couldn't get the video to work. And you could just feel the age of it, the technology of the seats. Like when I pushed the button to, to recline, it was like, gang, 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 gang. And I was like, that, all right, whatever. I, again, I'm in no, I should be nothing but grateful that I have the life I have. I'm not complaining in a genuine way. These are just, maybe I am, but I'm, I'm calling myself out because it's bullshit, man. I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. But gang, 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 gang. Yeah, it was just, and you know, like, how come the monitor doesn't work? I don't want to be an asshole. And I know, I can't, I don't want to be that guy. But, but there's part of you that thinks in terms of value or what you deserve, right? And maybe people can't relate to this, but I my screen wasn't working and I had a five-hour flight ahead of me and I wanted to rewatch a movie I didn't really like. And so like I, I, I really had to decide whether or not I was going to go up to the flight attendant and go like, you know, my uh, there's someone we can get the video working. And then in my brain went to like, composing an email to delta it's like what is first class about if i can't watch a movie i didn't really want to watch just because i have the time so that was the beginning of the problem with my brain and this only happens in certain situations and i don't like it now again loyalty i rent cars at hertz they're not the cheapest they're probably the worst i don't know much about it it's just something i've done for a long time and and i'm a gold member i don't know what that means really other than i can see my name on a board i generally don't have to go to the counter both of those things are exciting, especially if you travel a lot. Hey, look, I'm on the board. What space am I? So I walked a mile and a half to go to the rental car center, and I go to the Hertz, and it's like 10, 30, it's like 11 at night. I see my name on the board, and I also saw there was a Hasidic family there. The, the man was at the counter, and the woman with, I think, around seven kids, and she couldn't have been 40, was standing there with this, you know, this full uh, arc of age groups of kids was standing there with a look on her face that was a mixture between PTSD, exhaustion, and just existential displacement. That's what I saw in it. And she was pregnant again. And she and her pregnancy looked exhausted. And I don't want to judge anybody, but I felt it was heavy. Because you know, I'm a Jew, they're Jews. The difference between us is a lot of kids, outfits, wigs, hats, you know, ritual. But 
But in that moment, happy Passover, by the way. But in that moment, I thought this woman's in trouble. And this is sad and horrible. And uh, I'm just going to walk by her and get my car. And then I thought for a minute, like, maybe I can save her. Maybe I can save her. And then I think my brain went, what? And then I went out to the parking place. I went out into uh, the lot to get the car. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention. I'm presidential circle. What does that mean? I don't know. I think it just means that you can pick your own car, which is actually more of a challenge than just getting a car. I like a full or mid-sized car generally. Uh, sometimes I'll get a small car, but not usually. And President Circle, I don't know how I got in it or what it means or if it's really a good thing. But they usually have about, you know, five, six, maybe 10 midsize or full-size cars. And you pick it, which means for me, you never think that you've picked the right car. You make your decision, you get in, you drive a half hour and you're like, fuck, why didn't I get the other thing? But I get out there and there's two cars in the presidential circle area and their trunks are open. I'm like, I'm about to get in one. And there's a guy walking around. There's no other cars in this lot. And I'm like, why can't I get this car? He's like, those are premium upgrades. I'm like, I'm presidential circle. He's like, well, premium upgrades are, you know, that's the next level up. And I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? Can I just take this car? He's like, no, they're premium upgrades. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, so I'm getting fucked here. This is some sort of racket. Someone's on the take. Why can't I just have one of these cars? I mean, how am I not important? And I'm, I'm starting to get angry. And I'm like, all right, so fine. Well, I'm, uh, I'm president circle. Where are the cars? He's like, we don't have any cars. I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? I'm on the board. I'm president circle. He's like, I know, but there's no cars. I'm like, where are the cars? He's like, they're, they're coming. And I'm like, when? What does that mean? He's like, well, they're upstairs and they got to wash them. I'm like, how long? And now I think it should be noted here. I got nowhere to really go. I just want to be you know, driving. It's late. He's like, I don't know, 15 minutes, a half hour. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Now, now I'm the yelling man with his rolling bag, you know, just screaming. You know, a bearded, yelling old man in the empty parking lot at Hertz at JFK, just sort of like, this is bullshit. Where are the fucking cars? How is this a business? And, and then, you know, the guys are like, I'm, they're, they're coming. I'm like, when? And then I go back over to the cars that are premium upgrade. Like, I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to fucking take one of these cars. I don't give a shit. And I roll angrily over there. The guy, the kid's just watching me. And I roll angrily over there to those two cars and both, all the doors are locked. So I'm now I'm the angry man who has made a decision to take a stand, take a car, doors are locked. And I check all the doors. So that doesn't work. And then I roll back and I'm like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Where's my car? And then I pick up my phone. I'm holding it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call Hertz. And who am I going to talk to at Hertz? That was the lamest, most impotent thing I could do. Like, I'm going to call Hertz now and take care of this. I'm like, I'll be on hold for an hour and a half. And we'll even get a human being for a half hour. Maybe. So make a choice. Do you want to stand there as cars go by waiting for Hertz to pick up? I could have gone back in, but there was a line in there and I have to, you know, the Orthodox lady and their family was there, which made me sad. But now I'm thinking like, I got time to perhaps save the lady. Maybe I should like in the 15 minutes to half an hour that I'm waiting for a car to come down going, let me take you away from this. Let's go. I can get us out of here. And just, I'll take the kid, the one that's in your belly. Let's just go. Let's just go. You're, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Call my mother from the car. Mom, I met a, a Hasidic lady, a Jewish woman, and uh, we're having a baby. Uh, we're driving to Florida. So 15 minutes go by. And I'm just fuming and standing there with this guy who was not being, you know, he was being understanding, but I was fuming. And first car that comes down is like a, a cab, half an SUV. I think it's a Ford EcoSport, but it looked new. And I, you know, and, and I, and I was like, it comes down. I'm like, can I plug my phone into that? Cause I can, can I plug my phone into that? 
because that's very important to me that I can get CarPlay. And the guy's like, yeah, but it's not, it's not, it's a, it's, it's a small car. So I don't give a fuck. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Like I'm winning. Like this is my, this is my, my declarative kind of like, fuck you is I'm, I'm taking this car. And I drove off and it might as well have been a tricycle. I might as well have been on a tricycle, flipping the guy off, ringing the little bell. Bling, ding, bling, ding. <laughs> fuck you, man. I won. I won. I won. It's not a bad car. Though I did, was driving up here to Providence and I did out the entire way. I was like, I should have just waited. Maybe I'll stop at another Hertz and trade it. But the entitlement of it, it's a fine car. It's all fine. I just have that brain. It's like everyone else got a better thing than me. Oh my God, it's so stupid. I did almost two hours, hour 54 in Providence last night. It was spectacular. Columbus, Columbus Theater. It was a great show for me. But I don't know what I'm expecting. Like I, I feel like I'm out here doing the driving on my own, just going up there, hammering it out heroically for what? <laughs> the joy of doing it. The joy of doing it. Right? That's what it is. The joy of doing it. So look, uh, Robert Eggers, I, I, it, was, it was good. I'm glad we talked. It was intense. He's an intense fellow, but I think he's a tremendously gifted filmmaker, and I'm excited to see how his work unfolds. The Northman, his newest film, opens in theaters this Friday, April 22nd. This is me talking to uh, Robert Eggers. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. I had avocado on yeah. toast in LA this morning. Can you believe it? What a fucking shock. <laughs> have you, have you, uh, is that an unusual thing for you to eat? Or is it just the fact that you did it in LA and it seems to fit a certain stereotype of our of our horrible city <laughs> um both <laughs> uh-huh. do you yeah. eat it regularly not super regularly i but but you know yeah i had to give up on avocados well there's a lot of them about here yeah yeah but then there's uh, all everything that's going with it politically yeah, yeah. Politically, culturally, I think. Also, I don't know about the politics of avocados. Well, I guess it's all the that the like drug lords like own the avocado. Oh, is that trade. true? Yeah, and then but then I've been in Europe and you can't really it, like in London. It's you no know, avocados. Well, they have them, but yeah. they're not very good. No, I, well, some of them are bad here, which is why I got out of it. It wasn't uh, <laughs> on principle because they were drug lord avocados, <laughs> but they were. <laughs> 
They were just inconsistent. Yeah. And then you go to a nice place. You're probably staying in a nice hotel where you're like, this is an amazing avocado. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, where the fuck do they get those? Yeah. And then if you're conspiracy-minded people, they're aligned with the drug lords, clearly. Clearly. For the high-end avocados. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> but uh, but you never, you're not out here unless you're doing this, huh? No. Yeah. Not if I can help it. So the last time you were out here was around the lighthouse. That's right. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, yeah. And uh, how's it feel? <laughs> I mean, I just got here. Oh yeah. Um, like, cause I, I was doing press in Europe for two weeks. Yeah. And so I'm a little bit turned around. Oh yeah. But yeah, trying yeah. to take it in stride, as yeah. as Willem Dafoe reminded me and Alex Skarsgård in Rome, we're not fucking coal miners. Yeah. So like, it's all right. <laughs> He always has little tidbits of wisdom, that Defoe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where do you live, though? Um, at the moment, I live in New Hampshire, but I'm uh, that's temporary. Why? Didn't you grow up, up around there. there? I grew up there, yeah. Where? What town? Um, I grew up in Lee, mm. which is of little distinction, but I'm, I'm living like in a town called Portsmouth that's like nice. No, I know about that place. I started my comedy career up in that area. I was just there. I was in Laconia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the middle. I guess yeah. that's sort of in the middle. Yeah. yeah, And it's one of these small, weird towns that's trying to kind of revive itself. But driving through that area, because I'd done so much of my early comedy work in, in those states, it's kind of, uh, it's beautiful but sad somehow. I agree. Yeah, I used to, I did community <laughs> theater in Laconia growing up. I, I was probably at that theater. Oh, really? <laughs> what theater was it? Uh, you don't remember? I don't remember. But it was like a real theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. must have been that there's only one theater there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then there is another one in Wolfboro that I did stuff in as well. But the but Laconia Laconia yeah. Playhouse. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah it's right there on that water. Mm-hmm. And I stayed at the uh, the Best Western Plus, <laughs> and that was the best hotel they had. I'm sure it was. So, so your life is dug in there. It had the impact the New England the thing. The New England thing. Yeah, it's yeah, but. But how did you grow up? Your dad was, uh, he was where? So my dad uh, was at the University of New Hampshire. Okay. And A uh, teacher. Well, he became the provost. What does a provost do? It's like the president. Okay, of, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Or right. vice president, right. basically. The standard bearer for the school? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's an administrator. Oh, that's it? was an administrator. Well, what was his, uh, what did he teach? Shakespeare. Oh, really? So yeah. did you get uh, infused with that? <clears throat> very much, very much so. Really? Yeah, all, all the way through your like beginning of life, your dad. For someone to, to teach Shakespeare, they gotta believe that it's pretty important. So you must have been fed it. <laughs> yeah, early on. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I remember like being like six and yeah. and watching Olivier's Richard the Third and right. thinking like he's cool. He's kind of like Captain Hook. I can right. get into this and uh, <laughs> yeah. seeing like Titus Andronicus on stage and thinking it was scary as fuck. And then. Luckily, that was followed by Midsummer Night's Dream. So and that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. So you understood it. I think I, I was brought up in an environment where no, no one expected me. No one said you won't be able to understand this. Right. But it was just a given. Yeah. You know. I mean, and this and, is what we do in this house. Yeah. It wasn't. You know. And it wasn't like shameful. If if I, I'd be like, what the what yeah. was that? But but it was just sort of you know this is the, you know. You want a peanut butter sandwich? This is like we have. Uh, this is what we have. Yeah, you know, it was there. Yeah, and your mom was an academic as well. She eventually uh, had a kids theater company when I was uh, like was around twelve. She started a kids theater company, but she was an was an actress and a, and a dancer uh, before I was born in 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 New York. 
So was it a, a dream fulfilled or she got out before? I mean, like, was she a working dancer and actor? I mean, she 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 was on One Life to Live and had like a recurring role. Uh, you know, she yeah. she had some yeah. some 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 success pre uh, pre procedural New York regular acting gigs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she was on the soaps. Yeah. Uh huh. And but she wasn't a bitter person around uh, acting. She no. I mean, yeah. she she was full of uh, life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. And and this is like an exciting environment to grow up in academics and people who embrace the arts, progressive people, I imagine. Yeah, and it's I mean it's weird because, you know, rural New Hampshire is yeah. rural New Hampshire. There's and a type s- of townie in New England that's pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, and and I and I, you know, I didn't understand growing up that like the town that I lived was basically college professors and mm. then more or less like rural poor, right? You know, yeah. Um, so it's, it's still yeah. I can I could really feel it when I was driving through this time more yeah. than I ever noticed when I haven't well, been there in years. I think though, thanks to like our last president, yeah. that you know, I mean, so yeah, my wife and I are both from New Hampshire, yeah, and. It is more divisive and in some ways more small-minded than when we grew up the way. Sure. You know, in some ways it's not more yeah. small-minded, but in some right. ways it is. And it's well, there are lines of, drawn now. Well, that's the thing. And yeah. and and it's like you get going to get gas and seeing some like pretty horrific bumper stickers that sure. were around when I was a kid with yeah. the kind of rage against right. uh, you know, liberals. Indeed. Yeah, and it's you know it, it's uh, it's weird. Or whatever their concept of liberals yeah, are, exactly. Yeah. Woke people, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah the tribalization of it is just a, the the possibility of dehumanization to the point of lack of empathy becomes kind of uh, pressing right now. The 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 uh, the momentum of uh, what seems to be fascism is uh, is very real. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have siblings? I do. Yeah, I've got I've got um, younger brothers that are um, twins. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that weird? Yeah, it was weird. Um, <laughs> like, it, my first feature has creepy twins. Yeah, it did. They're, 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 I was just uh, thinking about that. Yeah. Which those are those are like the creepiest I've seen since The Shining, at, at least. Cool. Well, yeah, they're based on my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it was the syncopation of them that got creepy. Sure. <laughs> and I guess that's something that happens with twins naturally. Yeah, I mean, they my brothers. They are they identical? They're fraternal, okay. but they but they look quite a lot alike. Uh-huh. And but yeah, they spoke their own language and. Uh, Really? Yeah. Yeah. So now where does the appreciate, like, when do you start kind of formulating a vision? Where does it come from? Because it seems that, it, you know, I don't know if it's a specific vision or an auteur thing, but I mean, when you make a movie, you seem to be very deliberate and know exactly what you're heading, you know, what you want. So where does that, and what is the, the it, it seems like this last movie, the new one, which I watched, and The Witch, I have, uh, there's a common thread there. There's a, a supernatural, there's folklore, there's, you know, myth to a degree, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not very, uh, <laughs> I stick to what I, I stick to what I like, I stick to what I know. Right, you know? but yeah, but I mean, but these are like, uh, there, there's a, there's something about the, the supernatural and the mythic that kind of must have blown your mind at some point when you were a kid, right? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that, there's not like a single moment. It wasn't like, right. you know, the yeah. the doors of perception opened and everything changed. Right. But sure. I mean, I you know, I don't, I don't know. Like people ask me about all this stuff like all the time. They do? Uh, yeah, you know, and I think something that I've been saying lately, <laughs> which seems to yeah. work, uh, is that, 
you know, growing up in a secularized society, uh, there's not a lot, you know, of the sublime, you know, uh, around. So being enamored of the past and, 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 and with, let's, we'll just talk about the Northman, this Viking movie. Sure. Like, um, you know, I was never into Vikings. The, the macho stereotype put me off. We talked, we just talked about my childhood a little bit, but you can imagine like I was a sensitive kid. Yeah. Like, you know, sure. I liked Conan the Barbarian, but like this macho You didn't stuff, like metal music? Uh, I like it now, <laughs> but, but, but growing up, I mean, growing up, like as a kid, 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 I yeah. like listening to show tunes, which sure. I can't stand. I can't stand, but, but you know, I, you know, if you did, why was that? Cause your mom? Yeah. It was in the house. It was in, and your performance, if you're doing theater, like in a rural area, like most of it's going to be musicals. How old were you? I started doing that, like starting in elementary school. So that was where you were going to Laconia to do that, that, uh, yeah, child yeah, theater? Yeah. I, yeah. And well, was... there, well, <clears throat> that was an adult theater. Okay. We, and, and I think we did, uh, Hello Dolly there. Um, and yeah. And so, but, uh, you must have liked it at the time. I loved it at the time, yeah. But now, like... You feel traumatized? Now? Well, I just... A lot of what I'm into now, yeah. it, like, is kind of a reaction to what I was into as as a kid. Like, you know, I, I would... I liked musicals, and yeah. I... And, you know, and I liked Spielberg and George Lucas. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with Spielberg and George Lucas, sure. but, you know... Sure. But, like, that was what, what I grew up with, and also this Disney idea that, like, every dream you can wish can come true. Now, like, <clears throat> by the way, thanks for that false idea. Yeah. Because, like, I think I couldn't have survived <laughs> sure. childhood without it. But that's also a parenting idea. Sure. Yeah. But it's also something that's, like, not real. Of course not. You know? But um, what are you going to do to a kid? It's not going to work out. Good luck. You're on your own. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but I do think that... Um, you know, I, I do think you can still maybe tell a fairy tale with a little bit of moral ambiguity that can still be good for a kid. kid. Uh, but but I but um but yeah, Shakespeare. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's interesting. The idea of secular in that you know because when you're just sort of living in a progressive home where you make you know where education is is a premium, and you're not you're not you're not having a religious life. Because a lot of those questions is sort of like around hope and, and realizing dreams. For for people who have belief systems, it's sort of tempered by this idea that on the bottom line, we're going to be okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But when you don't have that, I guess at a certain age, you're like, holy shit, yeah. I'm alone. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, but, 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 but like having... Uh, having living in a religious uh, or mythological system where yeah. every single thing around you is imbued with significance is appealing to me. But you know that can happen with just paranoia. <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, well, my my wife, yeah. who's uh, who's a clinical psychologist, yeah. was working on a paper about you know f you know folk customs and OCD. You know, I, I do a joke about that. That like you know, ritual is OCD. Yeah, for sure. It's it's dis it's like intentional OCD. Yeah, to 100%. to maintain some sort of uh, stability or, or emotional stability. Yeah. So she found that to be true. Yeah. yeah. And what was that paper for? Is it published? No, it's not. It turned oh. into something else. Now she's writing a book about. Uh, well, I don't know if she wanted me to say this, but she's oh. writing a book. No. Oh, all right. Well, it, it's the same with with the popularity of conspiracy theories. That's a, that's an untethered world that seems to kind of come back around to Christianity and Jew hate, mm -hmm. but, but somehow, you know, that, that is a, a, a mythological system. Yeah.
Yeah. It, it's fleeting and not as yeah, well founded and, yeah, as and not, the Nordic religions, sure, Scandinavian right. stuff. <laughs> but it, it fills the same void. It does, yeah. So, I mean, but all, I mean, look, I mean, my own, the only reason why I can see that everyone's so obsessed with superheroes is that that's like the pagan pantheon of for today, you know? I mean, and people like the, you know, the Comic-Con becomes these great religious festivals where people like impersonate the gods that they worship. You right. Know? I mean, but, it's like, but, the, but, the, but the, I think what's missing though, and I agree with that. But but the fact that it's a cultural phenomenon and and it is you know based in in, in a certain amount of fan culture and they know on some level they're not real so in order for it to be like an effective mm. system they would have to believe it yeah well that's too uncomfortable and too vulnerable for today's culture <laughs> is that what it is I don't know it sounds good that does that sound like a good sentence no to I say. no but no I was just like <laughs> I'm I'm curious because I think about this stuff all the time I mean there are people that have dug in beliefs around you know fairly. Uh, uh, predictable gods that you know have been around for a long time, and they kind of twist and turn those to accommodate them. But I don't know what the kids or the culture is really about, or how fleeting it is. But I know that the fan culture around that stuff and the rituals around that stuff is aggressive and real. And I guess fanaticism is yeah. kind of a religious thing. Yeah. But but what's missing is the idea of genuine belief in that in that thing, right? True. True. And that's and that and I guess that's what I'm. Mm, Try like searching. This sounds precious, but maybe searching for in the work that I do. No, I feel that. I mean, yeah. I mean that makes sense to me. Uh, you know, I don't know what the exact uh, 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 definition of sublime is, but I think like even like going back to to the witch, like in watching that, you know that whatever's in your brain, where whatever your resources were, whatever you're drawing from, it doesn't matter if it's something specific, but the artfulness of of the composition and whatever attention you pay to detail. In and of itself, filmically, is is uh, that in and of itself is a sublime thing. So whatever you're doing narratively to approach the sublime is that story thing. But it seems that like just in terms of the film itself, you have a, an intention. Yeah. Well, I I mean the hope, and, I, and I'm not saying that I'm achieving this, but the hope is that the whole thing is. Uh, cinema and that like all you know you know the, the atmosphere is 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 an accumulation of all these details of yeah, all the, sure. the the research in, in the you know physical verisimilitude of the of of the period world but also what's going on what 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 the, what the belief system is and then more importantly within that is is the story and then you know where me and my DP Jaron placed the camera is very specific and we shoot single camera and we don't shoot a lot of coverage. So, so the idea is that, you know, is that we're just, we're constantly pushing forward with one organic thing that is like the film, yeah. you know, it should all be one piece, yeah. you know, uh, I, you know, sometimes we get it, you know, not always, but that's what we're kind of striving for. And also because of the attention to the detail and what all these things are saying is that when you frame something like that, you know, it kind of comes off the screen as something almost familiar uh, aesthetically in painting mm -hmm. or, or or whatever has been captured before of that time. And you must pay so much attention to detail that it, it rings sort of true to that. Like even, you, you know, in The Witch, which is, in, uh, they're both in my mind uh, more than The Lighthouse because The Lighthouse has a lot of bits and pieces to it that, that don't fit together the same way to sure. me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. But uh, but there are there there are moments in that where they look like Flemish painting, 
<laughs> you know, where sure. where she's in that barn with her head on the table. It looks like a what's it, the pearl earring guy. Yeah, uh, uh, Vermeer. Yeah. yeah, right? So you're thinking yeah. that lighting-wise, right? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, like, you know, if you have someone in 17th century clothing and there's light coming out of one window... Like, because that's what would be, no, I get it's going to yeah. look like a Vermeer. But yes, like me and Jaron and my collaborators, we are cognizant of the history of Western art and and, <laughs> yeah. and study it and admire it and and consider it. Yeah. You know, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I mean, but this is like, this is part of it. That's why it's hard. It's difficult for directors to talk about this stuff and why I don't talk to a lot of directors <laughs> and why directors are, are wary you know, to discuss their work, you know, because they want people to take in what they're going to take in. Do you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Because, yeah. you you know, it's hard not to be like, to say that you did all these things on purpose because as a director, there there's a certain element of aesthetic vision and cinematic vision and, and leadership stuff that all have to come together that you For can't sure. really just say like, oh yeah, that's exactly the intention we had was to make it look like a, a Vermeer painting. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for yeah. sure. But like going back to what you were saying before, in this this seeming spite towards your younger self, uh, what was a transition moment where you know you were a song and dance man as a kid and perfectly happy and excited? What broke you to 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 sort of kind of become more cynical? There was there was a lot of a lot of small things, yeah. but like the two the the you know two of the biggest things were two uh, male mentors. One right. uh, was this Latvian American painter Hyman Bloom mm -hmm. um, who seemed like a wizard to me and was very I didn't totally understand this at the time but was very into the occult and theosophy and uh, what did you find his stuff well he was doing a show at the University of New Hampshire because he lived in New Hampshire and oh. he became he kind of like we, we we met him. My parents met him and and became friends with him. But I but you know he was doing these gigantic like six or eight foot tall charcoal drawings of demons on astral planes. That uh -huh. I, and I was pretty blown away. How old were you? Uh, Ten. And at the time, <laughs> like I was yeah. at the time, I was into comic books and stuff, yeah. and I was drawing them. And he gave me uh, a, an Al, an Albrecht Durer book and a and a book of Martin Schongauer Martin Schongauer and some other Northern Renaissance like woodcut guys. Stuff? Yeah, woodcuts and uh -huh. engravings. And he was like, you know, if you can draw these, you can draw anything. And that sort of was like I I practically took all my comic books and set them on fire. You know, not I didn't right. you know, but well, I but I did literally kind of put them in file cabinets and, yeah. and 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 became obsessive. And then the other thing was this guy who ran a theater uh called the Edwin Booth and his name was Edward Langlois and he uh did did sort of um, like you know, the Duchess of Malfi and True West, like mm. at, at, in in a storefront theater uh, in Dover, New Hampshire, and he saw me in a high school play and cast me in in a show that he was doing. And then later on, I did a senior directed play uh, with my friend Ashley Kelly Tata, who now directs Experimental Opera. I did a play of Nosferatu, right. and he saw that and brought it to his theater to do a, a slightly more professional version of it. And, you know, and I think if there was anything still left over of uh, mm, commercial tastes, it kind of died with, with that the, Nosferatu. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Because of uh, 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 what, what specifically in the story do you think? Well, I just think it was just, it was it, like, um, 
it was it was just we we were doing something different and yeah. and 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 also you know ed's taste was was seemed to me to be very sophisticated yeah. and, and and elite and uh and it kind of just you know changed the lens in which i i viewed things blew your mind blew my mind yeah it's a, it's an amazing thing when that happens and i think it can still happen it must happen for you you know maybe not as dramatic no but. no it can't happen the way that it did uh in your like childhood through through your 20s i think it kind of you know after 25 it happens less and less but it's interesting when something's put in your head that makes you reconfigure how you see everything for sure and i and i'm sure like i think that i think that for me i need to be in a pretty dark place in order to be ready for something r- really big to to sh- to shake me and you now, feel now. now oh really now not not then right. but now like I need to be like in a place where of of near despair to then be like awoken to something new well well, well I guess <clears throat> you because know, even even if I see a movie mm-hmm. that like really fucking surprises me and inspires me yeah like nothing's going to inspire me the way the films did when I was younger you know when I hadn't seen as much stuff. And what was uh, what was being introduced to you as films, you know, post your uh, your kind of uh, rebirth into darkness there, you know, outside of commercial films? When well, you... and so in high school, it was still, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff available in rural New Hampshire. So like, you know, so Tim Burton was like a god of someone who was doing something different. And then, yeah. but then, oh, wow, Terry Gilliam, like, that's really interesting. And then, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, oh, David Lynch, what's that about? And, yeah. and like Julie Tamer's Titus was at the video store. Ho, 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 ho. You know, but then when I moved to New York... Like uh, then I like. When did you go to New York? How old were you? Uh, seventeen, eighteen. I went to like an acting conservatory. So that was the deal. You were going to do the acting. Well, I wanted to direct, but I had got had terrible grades, and I didn't know how I, I would become a director. And and go, getting into this acting conservatory got me out of Cow Hampshire and into New York. Now w- the grades thing. What w- was it? Just because you weren't interested in certain things and interested in others? I, I was interested in acting and playing music and drawing. And, what did you play? Uh, I played bass in various bands. Punk bands? No, no. Uh, I we it was started out as a classic rock cover band. Oh and, yeah, and then like a blues band, and wow. then I and then I had like a kind of large kind of funk band and then and a small jazz ensemble that I played with, and and I thought I was I was maybe going to go to Berkeley actually, but then Nosferatu. Uh, like I got accepted to Berkeley to play bass, but then when Nosferatu happened, I, that's when I knew that that was what I needed. Wow, to Nosferatu do. killed everything about your childhood. But you know, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. No, I know, I know, but it's just <laughs> because you must have been a pretty good bass player to get into Berkeley. I was good enough to get into Berkeley, but I really wasn't. I was good. Enough, I would work. I, I work hard at the things that I care about, but yeah. I wasn't really cut out to be a musician. But I'm really grateful to that. I'm really grateful to like Mr. LaForce's music history class in high school because, like, you know, the you know the Northman, the score, like, yeah. the, the, more, more, like, you know, none of my movies work without the score. Right. But the Northman being this such a big film, like, I think it's two hours and fifteen minutes, and we, Robin, Carolyn, and Seb Gainsborough composed two hours of music. Yeah. And I need to be able to communicate with these guys. Yeah. And thankfully, I can. Right. You know, because of that, because the of integration that. of everything that came before. Yes. Huh. So, how much theater did you do other than that Nosferatu? That was stuff that you felt was, you know, within this new point of view. Were you able to? I did. I did some. I did some Shakespeare. I did some Ionesco um, at that theater. 
at that theater. And then I and then basically I was like a working actor in New York doing off 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 Broadway, playing a lot of Shakespearean yeah. villains. And then I kind of felt like, you know, the directors that were directing me, I couldn't be worse than them. <laughs> so then me and my friends like we started our own yeah. theater company in, in New York in New York and we're, yeah. and we're kind of doing that kind of thing and when when you say that the the painter uh, Hyman Bloom yeah. Hyman Bloom is he still around no he he died he, uh. he was he, he lived to be almost 100 or maybe 100 do you, do you own some of his work a little bit yeah yeah now when you say that you found out later or that it, you, he was into the occult was that because like when you first realize that that stuff's going on, I mean, I was in my twenties, and I, and if you have an open mind to it, it is kind of a, a mind fucker. So, to what degree did that enter your brain? Um, I think, uh, I mean, this was like shocking to me, yeah. like in a New Yorker article, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but what? Just, just like my Jaren, my DP, like asked me what my biggest fears were, and one yeah. of them is like believing you know uh because i think period well i, I this is well this because now we're saying like we're in the early hours saying i want to believe and now i'm saying well believing leads you know but but can lead to madness uh-huh. you know i mean like absolutely you know i mean and that's well that's what the witch is about well sure you yeah. know and and i think i mean well, that's certainly what the lighthouse is about yeah and uh whatever that's about <laughs> but but i think you know most occultists like unless they are 100% charlatans like and end up mad and penniless you know because once you believe it's real right and and then you're all of a sudden you're uh, a pariah you know, wh- you know whether you see it that way or not yeah. you probably see yourself as a seer but right. you know yeah but there's just people looking at you going like what is that guy yelling about yeah totally so that's a fear you don't, sure. you don't want to be the yelling. Well, guy. I mean, I, I when I was when I was researching one film, I was like getting really, 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 really deep into stuff. And I remember I was on this airplane, being like, "Oh yeah, of course, like of course, these spiritualists weren't talking to dead people; they were talking to elemental spirits, yeah. obviously." And then I was like, "Fuck, dude! Like, we you gotta, need to calm down. Got to pull it back a little bit." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was, it, it probably was just the, the logic of these stories. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not like, you know, like, I know, I talk to elemental spirits. Yeah. But, 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 you know, then that, that, then you realize it's a slippery slope. No, I know. I got, I was, you know, I cocained myself into psychosis. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was a kid for a couple of years and everything was connected, man. Yeah. And it made solid sense. Yeah. Yeah. I see the signs. Yeah. yeah. But the weird thing is, is that not not unlike filmmaking, if you get enough people to believe, you can bend reality to your will. I mean, it doesn't mean it's real, but I mean, that momentum that, you know, is fascism or anything else or, or even, you know, nationalism of any kind or even, you know, any religion. You're yeah. bending reality and yeah. you're bending people's will to comply with this thing that yeah. is a way of, to have interpret. But when you do... Let's just go through. Yeah, I want to talk about all the movies, if we can. I think we can. There's not a million of them. There's three. There's three. Yeah. <laughs> so the witch. What is the seed? I mean, what what is like you know? I, this is wh- wh- where did it grow from? I had made some short films. Finally, made one that wasn't terrible. My most terrible short film that I'm ashamed of. Yeah. Someone posted it online somehow. I don't know. Did you try to rid the world of it? I tried, but it like it appeared like a month ago or <laughs> something did, like that. Where, where was it? How did I it? don't. It had to be somebody who, like, 
because I submitted to a bunch of festivals, only got into oh. one because it was because it, it was so bad. Yeah. So maybe somebody was like, "Oh gosh, like I have this. I have this. I have no. I really don't know. I really don't know." Anyway, um, <clears throat> and I started writing features, and after you know, after a different short film that had some momentum, but everything I wrote was to basically the scripts I was writing were to genreless and mm. so the witch was my attempt to write something in a definable genre uh that i could still be myself and i would thought okay well i'm not gonna have any money so it's, i'm gonna have to probably make it in my proverbial parents backyard so it should be in new england what's the archetypal new england spook witches and and you know and i'd grown up really interested in this and grown up because of my dad thinking about like you know people who grew up during the reign of queen elizabeth were tromping around like as puritans in the woods behind my house and uh you know and those were kinds of the things that were the seed of of the witch and, and also the seed of america yeah it's like it's you know pre like there was some you know weirdos here pre-revolution I mean, no. I mean, the people, the 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 the, the pilgrim fathers, as they call them in England, were crazy. Yeah. You know, these people were on the one hand like the intelligentsia, but on the other hand like religious fanatics. Total like, cult weirdness yeah. in a new land. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they were coming here because they were weird where they were. Right. You know, and the and the the pil the pilgrims, as opposed to people who started the Massachusetts Bay Colony, they went to you know to fucking <laughs> the Netherlands they went yeah. to the Netherlands uh, because they we could have religious freedom there but then they were like all these people are way too liberal like I, we can't go here so they so they all decided that they would you know go where there was nobody yeah go well where there's to the quote new world where there's quote nobody aside from you know all Indigenous the native people, people. Yeah. Right. so okay so that was the that was the setting mm -hmm. and so and then you start to put together so how does the this sort of attention to like what you talked about before, this continuity idea that you know not a lot of cutting, uh, slow movement in, uh, big shots, uh, and and like I imagine to build that barn and stuff must have been something. Yeah, I mean, look, basically, I like doing things historically accurate, accurately, or tr attempting to. There doesn't make it better, mm. but it is what I like to do um, because it it I feel that it grounds me in the film and i and i also feel that it's in some ways it's a shortcut to having as many details as possible because you're not you don't have to waste time inventing things you can just like find them you know it's not like what's the coolest chair it's like let's make a museum replica of that chair so you, you, you know? oh, oh really so you have you know you have people using old-timey tools and stuff yeah with the with the witch it was small enough that we were really able to build it like kind of the way they built it for the most part yeah uh, and certainly everything anything that was uh, sh on screen uh, was was made with period techniques and uh, and the uh, you know uh, and, and and everything in their house I knew like every object that would be in their house based on wills and inventories uh, be again because the world was so small and I and 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 luckily you know people like movies yeah. so even on my first film I had some really great historians uh, ad advising on the film and willing to talk with me and my production designer and costume designer. Uh, on you know how to do it right, and now when when you tell a crew that you're going to do it that way, are they excited or are they like, wow? Well, it's so, <laughs> it's you know with the witch, um, the, you know the production design team is really excited, costume department is really excited, but in general, you know it was my first film and we were trying to do some weird things and and uh, and I think 
I had to prove myself. So there were certain, some people in the crew were really excited and some people were like, who do these punks think they are? Right. You know? Yeah. Then with the lighthouse, it was a different story because I was established. And then also Nova Scotia was having a hard time uh, with the film industry. Uh -huh. So so basically... How so? Well, they, they had taken away some tax incentives so people oh. weren't making films right, right, there. Right. Yeah. So basically, it was like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing and we also want to like prove that we know how to make films really well in Nova Scotia. You know, and then on The Northman, like, I made two movies that prove myself but at the same time now I'm talking we're talking about a 70 million dollar movie versus like a three and a half or 11 million dollar movie and you know and so you know and and we had a very 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 experienced crew I'm still working with my same heads of department that I've been working with the whole time you know but with these experienced crew members who worked on Game of Thrones and Ridley Scott and and you know and would say like well this is how you do a scene like this and we would say thank you that's great that you know that's how you do a scene like this. But occasionally we'd have to say, well, but not on this one. Yeah. No, not on this one. Like Did have, you, was there like tension? No, because right. these guys are professional. Right. But, 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 but certainly maybe quietly some people were like, who do these kids think they are? You know, but hopefully there will be even less of that. But I, I, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that. Honestly, the crew was awesome. And I think they were excited that we were doing something different. And you work with uh, several of the same actors because you... Mm -hmm like them i imagine mm -hmm. and it, it it's like uh that woman on what is her name anya anya taylor joy yeah to see her as a kid and then to see her as an adult like how old was she in the witch she hit she turned 18 the day before we started shooting oh okay yeah you say that defensively <laughs> I, did i <laughs> yeah, she was old enough she was old enough <laughs> to do <it>. yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, she's got some like in, in the Northman. I there was there is definitely something devastating about her without doing very much. She, you know, she's a she's got a lot of power, and yeah. she's able to be ethereal and grounded at the same time. And she also, like, you know, imbues the text with a, a ton of subtext. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how she was able to do that early modern English so well when she was a kid yeah. in in The Witch. You know, and and here she doesn't have the same amount of dialogue, but she's still able. Like, you know, a small line can be just a big gut punch. I mean, she's extremely talented. Well, that's interesting about imbuing, uh, you know, subtext because it seems like that's what all your actors do. They have to be able to do that. Yeah, cer certainly. I mean, with this film, there's a lot less dialogue than in my other films. In so the Northman? You, yeah, in the Northman. So you definitely have to do that. But I think in some ways, like, I will compliment myself and to say, to say that it was well cast. Mm -hmm. You know, it was well cast. Mm -hmm. and, and because the characters in some ways are archetypes, like Alexander Skarsgård, believing that he's a, a, a Viking, looking like he's a Viking in this landscape with this horrible weather with this heightened dialogue kind of just needs to say the lines yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah, it, yeah. and it's working sure you know? so you you really got that english in the witch i mean you really went out of your way to to talk to the academics on how to present that yes yeah so tell me again going into the lighthouse what was the seed of that well it took a long time for anyone to want to make the witch and at some point i thought no i'm never going to make the witch i need to make a smaller movie and my brother had an idea for a ghost story in a lighthouse, uh, uh, and he was wanting to write, but, but, and basically it wasn't working out, so I asked him if I could steal the idea. So I was trying to write something cheaper and smaller, but then I realized you can't have a lighthouse movie without a storm, 
which was going to be more expensive. So then yeah. I shelved that idea. But then after The Witch came out, I was trying to do these big studio projects. There were things that came from me that I wrote, but they were big and I just didn't have the uh, the clout to ha- to kind of have any kind of power at all. And so I, so I called up my brother and said, let's work on The Lighthouse on the side so that I have a backup because I have a feeling like none of these are going to happen. Like what were the other ones? Uh, I was doing a big ne- medieval night movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, Nosferatu. Right. Um, and uh, so then, uh, and and also like a Rasputin miniseries. Um, None of those were are happening. Not at the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So then, um, so so we started working on on the on the lighthouse uh, together. But when he said, you know, ghost story in a lighthouse, I I I pictured this crusty, dusty, musty, rusty, black and white boxy aspect ratio movie i didn't know what the story would be but i had like the vibe and the atmosphere like in in my head you know and so then we kind of went from there and what is it about to you uh i mean i've you know it became a movie about toxic masculinity which wasn't sort of the intention it was just trying to make a story about two lighthouse keepers and one that goes crazy but there's something about identity there's there's a lot of things, yeah. uh, you know, um, but but it is it was deliberately meant to be an obscure movie, and I, and it and it is sort of I recognize that it's kind of one scene over and over and over again with slightly higher stakes. But it, but it's interesting to me somebody as you know decisive and meticulous, and I guess this happens when you when you direct or when you write it or anything like you know, directing you know putting that thing together. Uh, you don't know what it's going to reveal to you ultimately, no matter how much control you have. Well, over but the it. other thing too is that I'm never trying to make a movie with a message because the whole my whole sort of, sort of my whole sort of way in is like how do I present the mindset of the people in this world in this period without judgment, mm. you know, without sure. judgment, and just put it out there. Now yeah. I understand that there's certain things that I'm showing about myself, even though I'm trying to not show anything about myself. About you as the artist. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, when I, one of the first journalists I spoke to in France was, said, you know, you don't, in The Northman, you don't, you always, all the sexual violence is implied. You don't show it. Uh And that's saying something to me, about me, even though I'm saying, like, I'm showing the Viking mindset without judgment. But to, to the degree that I'm successful, like you know, when it, it, when I made the witch, you could still email, email me. But then a lot of like crazy people started <laughs> about emailing. what? Uh, just people saying I was like stealing their dreams and stuff like that. When you do, when oh, you those when, people. When, yeah. <laughs> but before, but, but leave that out. Yeah. I had you know kind Satanists saying like you believe what I believe. Right. You know, sure. and also kind conservative Christians saying you believe what I believe. Hmm. You know, that felt good. Yeah, because it was uh, broad, varied. Well, but also, again, like it's like presenting it without judgment. That's what I mean. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. You, you got a lot of input from, yeah. uh, from a lot of interesting <laughs> areas. Well, I get that. I, I get the... And, and, and also, like, I, I think that... I just before so I don't forget it in in the witch there seems to be an appreciation and it's in the same with the new movie and probably in the lighthouse a bit of nature and the power of it you, you know it, <laughs> it's not in the lighthouse no the whole movies yeah, like yeah outdoors and you know yeah <laughs> but I mean I'm just I guess I'm romanticizing because like sure. you know Iceland and the the hills of New England are 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 you know that the that the, but I but but, for, but I do but I do think that in all of my work it's more like nature's 
to me is expressed more like a, a 19th century romantic painter where right. like I'm in awe of it but right. it can kill you right that's exactly it <laughs> you know that, but that you know be but you integrate that. I mean, she yeah. rises into the trees, and yeah. the Northman, I got to see that tree of life a few times. Yeah. And in the lighthouse, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just picture that you know, it was just this like brutal thing <laughs> that was always there. Yeah. You, know, you weren't you're moving through it as much in my head. Well, no, because you're stuck on an <laughs> island. <laughs> but in the in the Northman, because I thought it was amazing. I I, I loved it right away. Because of the intensity of the violence and the savagery of it, and then also the, the mention of Kiev just in passing, it, it does resonate brutally with what's going on in the world. Yeah. And like like it, it, it doesn't have context in terms of, of the politics, but in terms of violence, it, it resonates in a very deep, disturbing way because of what's happening now in the Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I set... Act two originally in the British Isles and Alexander Skarsgård, this is, you know, three years ago or whatever, yeah. said, you know, we've seen that a lot. Like, let's let's go to the land of the Rus uh, instead. And I, you know, and this this sounds like an awkward thing to say now, but it's true. But like, I, I'm, I'm really into Ukrainian folk culture. And so I was ex- excited to, to do that, you know, and 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 yeah, we had we obviously we had no idea that that, you know, that like having act two in the film be an ancient Ukraine was going to mean what it means. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, again, I mentioned that I was never into Vikings uh, and what, and it was going to Iceland, not a newsflash that the landscapes there are incredible, but they were so like awe inspiring that they led me to pick up the Icelandic sagas, and that's what got me into this culture. And to see, like, oh, this is a complex culture. It's a culture of incredible technology. Like, their world was as much smaller than we think because of their ships and because of the trade routes. And it was a culture of cultural fusion and religious fusion, you know? I mean... In terms like, of tribals? Well, tribe? in terms of in terms of fashion. And really, like, like r- different religious traditions would would shift and change along these borders. I mean, and, and this is not religious, but just this is just you know fashion who cares but but you know amleth's medallion that he wears is an arab coin mm. you know but the stereotypes that made me not interested in vikings in the first place like were true as well so yes they're incredible really incredible poets and visual artists but this but also this patriarchal extreme violent culture is horrifying but then you say we haven't changed Mm. we have not changed at all Mm -hmm. and that is uh you know the most depressing the most depressing thing that that human nature may be barbaric and and the possibility of change is 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 futile in a way almost it is futile (laughs) it's 100 percent futile Mm. like there's nothing you have to be a pessimist as a realist, you know, just open your eyes. Mm-hmm. Or but, at the very but, least a cynic. But yeah. you have to choose to be an optimist anyway. You have to always fight against it. Right. I mean, if I wasn't an optimist, like against my better judgment, like I couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> sure. But that's you that know. darkness you talk about that kind of inspires you in a way. That 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 is where the catharsis happens. Yeah. Yeah. Is is to get some sort of um you know, vision 
that will enable you to to have the I don't know if you call it hope, but at least the the idea that you can hold that stuff back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The will the will to do. <laughs> right. You right. Know. To you know. bend reality into your, you know, to, what you do is a cult, almost. Sure, sure. <laughs> Filmmaking. Yeah, I mean there, it, there's a, there's a way and uh, there is a magic to it. I mean, like, like, let's be real. Sure, of course, you know? of course. I mean, there's that's why there's like so many people are dealing with celluloid again. I mean, that yeah. the idea of film and, and yeah. there is me something. too. You did it. Yeah, and you love it. I do. So these stories, though, I mean, like, I'm not a Shakespearean guy, but, you know, I was talking to my buddy Sam Lipsight, and he brought it to my attention that, and I'm, I, I, I think it's in some of the press as well, that this was one of the sources of Hamlet. Yeah, this, this Scandinavian folktale, Hamlet, was, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the primary plot is, is from this Scandinavian source, which, by the way, I didn't know. You didn't. Which I was so fucking embarrassed. Oh, yeah. I did, like, it just, I don't know. I guess. Saxo, did your dad know? I'm sure he did, but Saxo Grammaticus doesn't sound very Nordic. So I guess, like, reading it Danish, Saxo Grammaticus, yeah. like, whatever, it just yeah. didn't lodge in my head. Yeah. Uh, but the great thing is, is that everybody knows this story. Uh-huh. Everybody knows this story. And, like, yeah, like, this movie deliberately has an incredibly simple plot because I wanted to be able to explore and share with broader audiences, like, the ritual culture and the mythological culture and the religious culture in a way that, like, you can't usually do in movies this size. I don't think everybody knows the end, though. No. 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 I mean, you know, it's, it's not it's not Hamlet. Well, but I think, I think that... Um, the struggle, this, this, the, the basic the story, revenge journey, the basic revenge journey you yeah. get, yeah. you know, right. like, and, right. so, and so, so that, so hopefully you're not lost when severed heads like are talking in people's minds right. and, or whatever, you know? Well, that's just the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about like the research on, on this, because I like the supernatural element of it. You, you know, I think it weaves in well, it doesn't seem um, ridiculous. And, you know, right at the opening of the the movie, you know, you're, you, the shot is I, I, is, is a, a volcano about to go right, which is just a, a vision of the future. Yeah, but uh, and also the landscape's amazing. But I thought you wove together the myth and and what appears to be a a, a very studied um, vision of what life was like. Yeah, and I think I mean so you know. I, this I'm working with like the greatest Viking archaeologists and historians like on the planet. You are, yeah, on this movie. But are they there? Where are they? Uh, you know, they, they, they teach at colleges. Yeah, yeah, like like Neil Neil Price is in Sweden yeah. and uh, Terry Gunnell is in Iceland and, uh-huh. and Joanna Friedrich's daughter, who's Icelandic. I think she's yeah, she's in Oslo. So you reached out to these people while you were writing. Yeah, so we had once once sh- so Sean, who's like this incredible Icelandic poet and, and the novelist, co-writer. He's the co-writer. Uh, basically, like I think I'm working on something with Sean that has nothing to do with Vikings or Iceland. Like he's a brilliant, brilliant, incredible writer. So you met him before you. Had I met this him a, before. Yeah, had this idea before at all? I had before I had this idea. Huh. Uh, but then once once this was gonna like, uh, well, what happened was, I started thinking about Vikings to that trip to Iceland, which yeah. is the trip where I also met Shion. Okay. okay. Yeah. Then a couple of years later, Alexander Skarsgård and I have lunch. Yeah. And he says, like, I've been dreaming about making a Viking movie since I was a kid, and I've been trying really hard the past five or ten years to do it. And so I kind of walked away saying, well, let's try to make a Viking movie together. Yeah. So then I knew I needed an Icelandic co-writer yeah. because, you know, even 
even the most uh, the Icelanders and most allergic to Vikings yeah. knows what Viking saga characters they're directly related to. Uh-huh. And uh, and they, you know, and many contemporary Icelanders still believe in land spirits and fairies. Uh-huh. So someone who grew up in that cultural milieu, I, I need it. And so that was shown. So anyway, once this movie became more real and we had a good script, then we started sharing it with these historians who gave us more feedback. And they worked with us all through production, you know, and, and mostly in prep. Uh, but sometimes we'd be on set saying like, you know, what, how do we do this? You Burial know, mound. You know, or what, whatever, whatever it is, like, yeah. you know, like whatever it is. And, and, and right up to the very end, the, the last title card of the film that is subtitled The Northman yeah. actually says the saga of Amleth or Amleth the saga. And, uh, and after we, I'd finished the movie, I'd like left London, everything was done. Neil Price emails me. There's a there's a rune typo on the final <laughs> title card of the movie. Really? Yeah. So we had to go in and like fix that. <laughs> wow. He caught it. He caught it. He would have been probably the only one. He said there was like about forty people who would uh, <laughs> notice. <laughs> Thank God you got that right. But what in terms of your experience with what well, it seems like this guy the guy you wrote it with what's his name? Shown. So his his writing moved you before anything else. I mean you you know you like his stuff. You know, he had a story where someone's dying and they're having this religious reverie in their death of understanding everything while they're shitting their pants and remembering they left the stove on. Huh. Come on. So you love it. <laughs> That's the next movie. <laughs> yeah. It takes place in one room. <laughs> what What did you, uh, in, in doing this thing, because like I visited, I was in Sweden briefly and was able to go see that ship that they have preserved there mm-hmm. in Stockholm you know the one mm-hmm. uh which I I don't know anything about Viking culture and I and I went to see some of the other ships and stuff but you start to really realize like holy shit these guys really had it together on yeah. some level yeah but the burial mound stuff and that ceremony that you got like that was devastating yeah and that's that so basically there is a uh, an Arab ambassador named Ibn Fadlon who saw uh, a, a Viking uh, funeral. Mm. Their god was was probably Odin, so the ship was cremated so that it would go up to Valhall. Here, their god is Freyr, so it's a burial. But in any case, other than that, it's it's the same. You know, it's what it's what Fadlan described, including the the sacrifice of the enslaved woman to be his wife because he didn't have one. You oh, know. okay. So that was what that was. I mean, what if he did have a wife? Would she have been sacrificed? Uh, s- s- there are there are ideas that maybe that was the case sometimes, but you know, there, you, you know, Neil Price, who's one of the historians we worked with, uh, likes to say that like all these burials are, have different stories, but we don't know what the stories well, what involved be- them are. Right. What begat what? I mean, the Egyptians did that too, in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. Did, did, does one come from the other, or was there a mingling that you know? Did you talk of, about about, about Egyptians specifically? No, but. But there's, yeah. but obviously there are things in oh the journey with bring your stuff. Well, yeah, bring your stuff. But yeah. the, but it's interesting how like all like we talk about these trade roads yeah, and yeah. and the fact that these ships move moved around. There's traditions in medieval Iceland that are surrounding the undead that still happen in 20th century Romania. The same uh-huh. thing. Huh. Like it's it's interesting. It just sticks, right? Yeah. And that well, that's the you know the depth of that. I, I imagine that something about what you were talking about when we started in terms of, uh, you know, secular country and, and, and sort of like, you, you know, being 
you know, Marvel movies and everything else is that like if you don't like and I'm a Jew that doesn't practice. Mm-hmm. But this stuff runs deep and it runs back far, like a long time, you know, in in very small ways. It it kind of has a life that mm-hmm. keeps going even if you don't practice. Yeah. So I imagine some of this stuff that you said at the beginning, your your quest to to at least, you know, engage or or transmit the sublime. You're you're drawing from these this in this movie in particular and in and in the first one, these resources that are kind of ancient. Very, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and I wonder if you uh, do you feel like you you hit it a little bit, the sublime with this movie. Um, you know, <clears throat> when you look at it, I I can't watch I cannot watch The Witch because I'm proud. I mean, I'm proud of it, and like I'm not saying it's shitty or anything, and I'm and I'm very proud of the performances. But great, yeah, but I was, I, you know, I it was my first film, and I couldn't get what was in my imagination onto the screen fully but like which part the the, the supernatural part just in general okay, it just doesn't okay. live up to my expectations okay the lighthouse like you know i have a feeling I, I can see that you're like maybe on the fence about the lighthouse but on the no I, no i loved it but, I, but, I just like it was hard for me to i loved a lot of it and i liked the you know i liked the dynamic between them and i, I liked the, the lighthouse i just can't but you also you also don't have to like the lighthouse it's no funny, no, no but know, i'm but, just saying it doesn't the through the, the through line's different yeah well there's like, the through line is like not very right. much of a through line right um but but that was really i mean that's so close to what i had in my brain yeah so like i'm very proud of that right now this film is kind of mixed like some things i'm super like ex- really how i imagined it and some things not just because the scale was so exponentially larger that like i couldn't quite reach what i was reaching for and so <clears throat> i look forward on the next film to kind of scale it back a bit and learn what i learned like use what i learned on the northman to be able to kind of yeah but i think i feel like you did the landscape justice Thank you. Did you? Yeah, for the most part. Mm. For the most part. But it's just, it's like, um, it's certain like intangible things. Yeah, you sure. Know, you but, know. but are they solvable problems to you? Um, like, is it like a thing you watch it and you're like, if I, like, I, 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 yeah, I mean, now that I've made the Northman, I could make it again a lot better, but I've already made it. So like too late, you know, that <laughs> ship has sailed. I mean, you know, Ethan Hawke was there the day we rewrapped and he put his arms around me and Jaron. He's like, well, congratulations guys. I mean, man, you guys did everything you could possibly do in a movie in this movie. So like now you can do anything. Right. I mean, you can't do car chases and like helicopters stuff, but you want to do that anyway, Rob, you know, and Jaron and I look at each other. It's like, yeah, now we know how to make this movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, this one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, 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 you know, but like, like, thank God that I don't know how to do everything. Thank God, like I'm stretching myself and learning and have something to like strive for, yeah. you know, like Alem Klimov after he made Come and See was like, well, can't make a better move than that. I guess it's time for me to like, you know, and pack he? up my bags. Did he? No, I mean, that's did it. He? That was the end, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. I, I mean, it's so rare that uh, uh, an artist of any kind really has that moment confidently. If you, yeah, I think that, I think, I think if you feel like you're like in ship shape, you're probably sunk. <laughs> yeah, right. But in, in terms of shooting, like how much did, because I watched the, the silent, the old witch. Do you remember? Like how much did the, like earlier films. Like like Hexen? Yeah, Hexen. Yeah. yeah. So there are, there are moments in your composition and, 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 you know, when you shift from, you know, these wider, longer shots 
to the the framing in, in intimate shots that that strikes me as sort of silent era ish. Do you do you find are you a fan of that? Stuff? Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of silent cinema and all. But and also, I mean, you know, Hitchcock who grew who came up in silent cinema. Yeah. You know, would always and I do this too. Would always you know watch his movies like without any sound to make sure that you can like follow it you know uh-huh, and that uh-huh. and that's what helps it be like imagistic and and cinematic yeah and i and i find that they're like i like that in the bookends of your films there's a a, a circle of dancing naked people that's important <laughs> yeah making... see, seems seems to be like like nudity and fire like yeah yeah but that's like old old timey stuff man yeah um and also uh, congratulations on that turn like he Nicole Kidman's turn, in, you know, in this movie, in the character, was kind of, she really fucking did it, man. Well, that's that's one of the scenes that I'm very proud of. Dude, that was fucking good. Thank you. Yeah. Is your your dad around still? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. So, what's his input? What does he say about your work? Out of curiosity, your parents. They, I mean, look, I, I had, I'm lucky to have incredibly supportive parents yeah you know I, I i mean i was talking to this guy who's really massive in the industry who's yeah. like around 80 years old uh-huh. and he was sculpting as a kid yeah and his father would just like smash his shit and you wow. know and just totally discourage him yeah and to see that the strength the ego strength that this guy had to get to where he is in the industry today yeah. is like amazing you know i had the opposite i had like support Yeah. Um, What is the next thing you think? Uh, I'm just, I unfortunately have to be elusive because I keep running my, over the years I've run my mouth off about things I'm trying to do and they don't happen. And then I feel like awkward and I'm having to like, you know. Well, let me ask you about this Nosferatu uh, obsession. What, you know, what was left undone with the other two or three versions of it? Well, they just, I mean, they the fell apart twice, you know, it's like... It, I, Your movie did. My, yeah. But I mean, but I'm talking about oh, the why, movies why, made. Why, oh, why bother? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe the ghost of Murnau is saying, drop it, buddy. Yeah. Like, I made a masterpiece, like, that, uh, you know, influenced all of cinema. Herzog, because of, like, German history and, like, German cinema history, had the right and needed to do that, like, as a sort of part of his personal path and like forget about it uh-huh. like forget about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe he's saying that yeah uh, i guess you'll just have to figure that out yeah but thanks for talking man it was good talking. yeah it was a pleasure thank you there you go huh i'm telling you the guy might be a genius The Northman opens in theaters this Friday, April 22nd. For all my tour dates and things and stuff, go to uh, WTFPod.com, okay? No music today. I'm going to give you a break. I'm giving myself a guitar break. Boomer lives, monkey and LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. Yeah. Yeah.